Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to episode 72 of The Neuro Show. In today's episode... We've got another hookless tyre blowout. What are the UCI going to do about it? UAE tour and the opening weekend in Belgium. Lots of talking points. We chat about the pending giant TCR release. We've got mechanics impersonating riders and getting banned. And pie in the sky bike tech. What would really get us excited? All right, let's get into it. All right, yeah, shill... Coil, <laughs> what do you, what do you, what do you got for me? What conspiracy theories? Mm, tin fat, no. tin foil. I can't even talk. I'm so, I'm so in the conspiracy mm. world. All right, what's, what's going on? Mm, the hookless cabal. Mm. Back at it again with a blowout. Oh, yeah. 2024, the year of the rim blowout. We're on for one. Did you see this, Chris? I did. UAE tour. Thomas de Ghent. Anytime you crash at the UAE tour, you're going at least 55 because mm. you're on hot mix in the middle of the desert with a 60k an hour tailwind. And when your hookless tire blows off the rim because the tire's too narrow, that is a nasty spill. So this this is what happened here. So he's he's on the uh, Orbea, running his nice zip three five three hookless rims. What's happened is it's come out. His tires are too narrow. For the updated standard of the hookless means there's not enough grab from the tire to the rim and it's and it's it's blown off. So initially it came out and people were going, Oh, did he hit something? What's happened here? Um the team came out and said, No, it's all within spec, and then people all some of the journalists did some digging and, and it's come his heaps of articles on this. Essentially, with a his rims, the three five threes that have a twenty-five millimeter internal width. They need to use, according to the ETRTO and ISO standards, at least a 29-millimeter tire to be safe. Now, because he's racing on hot mix in the middle of the desert at 60K an hour, he doesn't want to run 30, 32-mil tires, so the team put 28s on. That is not safe, and the tires have basically just they've blown off the rim. How many times have we talked about hookless mm. already on the show? It's, it's kind of like so many years on and it's still, they're blowing off. Now, this was quite a blatant one because uh, 
high profile crash, early part of the season, lots of people were throwing their thoughts in. Even the, the riders' union, Adam Hansen runs it, he was tweeting saying, We're not happy with Road Hookless. Came out black and white, said it. So there's, there's been a lot of commentary going back and forth about the place for Hookless in the Pro Peloton. I don't want to spend too much time going back and forth on it. I think we've been pretty clear. I mean, I'm pretty clear that I, I kind of want to look a few levels above it because there's, there's a lot of things at play here. Firstly, there's a lot of tech going on in these wheels. So he's on, a, he's on a very wide Zip 353 with hookless rims. He's also got the tire liner in there, so the foam thing. There's a lot of – and the sealant in there. You're kind of going, geez, there's a lot of new tech in that wheel. I just just that from a safety point of view is 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 just a concern overall. Just I mean, does the tire does the does the foam insert impact the way that the hookless tire grips the rim? Does that have a is that being tested? But isn't the biggest issue here that if the pro teams can't work this stuff out, what bloody hope does the normal everyday punter have? Like it's. They're a full-time job of every single person involved in this to get this stuff right. And they know the consequences of it. It's not like they're just suddenly deciding one day to the next, oh, we'll just slap this tyre on, that tyre on. Every decision is made with performance in mind and safety in mind, you would have thought. So if they're still if they're stuffing this up, like that's – this is almost, for me, a bit of the final nail in the coffin. Oh, 100%. And so the problem is I struggle with this one a little bit because I'm of the opinion that the stuff for the pros should be for the pros. So, for example, I was against the banning of the aero tuck because it's a bad look for the general public, but it's pro racing. They should be able to do it. Same with the turned-in levers as well. I mean, yes, it's kind of dangerous, but they're pros. I, I'm of the opinion we should let the pros do pro things. And not be like, well, let's ban that because if some punter does it, it's a bad look. So in this case, part of me says, well, we should the, the pros should just ride the best equipment that they want to use and not worry about whether that's safe for the consumer. But that doesn't appear to be, from what I've seen with the UCI apply their rules, they're generally applying it from not just what's going to be safe for the pros, but how is that going to carry over in a lot yep. of their rules. So I'd be surprised if they don't have action on this. And that, I think, is where I kind of want to take this because going into the details of what we think of hookless rims, like you said in the past, we've done that. I actually this week went back and listened to our chat we had with Peak Talk. Go, I will link, link that below. The, the It's about 14 minutes he talks about hookless rims. Just go listen to that. That is all you need to hear. Uh, he does it again, I think, um, on his own show when he had Dan Bigham on, uh, again, Really, that's all you need to know about why hookless rims even exist in the first place and the the issues around them, just the engineering issue. I'm not going to go and pretend about no, all well, that stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm so close to doubling down on it all. Well, we don't even want hookless. No one wants hookless with hookless. But the problem, this is a problem. Zip are all in on hookless. Kdex, Giant, they're all in on hookless. Uh, what the hell would the teens do if the UCI said, nah, we don't want you riding hookless, it's dangerous. You're all going to go back to hook rooms. What, <laughs> what do they do with the three, 400 sets of wheels they've got at the service course? Does Zip even make hooked rims anymore? I'm pretty sure they don't even really make hooked rims anymore. Kdex, all the giant bikes come stock with hookless rims. That, 
I just don't see how that's feasible, how, how that had happened, which is what I mm, probably think should happen if they're consistent with how, with if the UCI are consistent with how they apply the rules, you would say, well, you banned all that other crap. You should probably ban hookless. How, how does Zip and Giant, Giant's a freaking massive company, surely there's got to be some pressure there to say, well, no, you can't just ban hookless. We got all the, like, how would that work? Okay, so... I've done some asking around, and I'm I'm in the proper. This is the proper rumor mill. All right, okay. this there is absolutely Ooh. no facts here, none whatsoever. Proper yeah. rumor mill. The rumor deep, silo. <laughs> deep in forums and just random chat. Okay, so Envy aren't all in on it in the sense that they still do make hookless rims, and they have the capacity from a production perspective, to switch back to hookless rims. Hooked. 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 Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Switch back to hooked rims, if the case may be. Giant being giant, have the scale to be able to do that and not write it off, but there would be – there's the, the potential to do it. Zip, however, like you said, are absolutely all in on this. And one of the great little rumours I heard was that they would continue to make hookless rims. However, they would – got to get the wording right to this. In fact, I don't care if I get the wording right. They would in some way – glue is not the right word, but sort oh, of no. put in a hook <laughs> to the actual hookless rim. And that would – it's what, potentially like bond, in a, bond in a hook. A, a, and ex- okay, so mm-hmm. you, so almost like a half recall of take your hookless rims in, and we'll put a hook we'll back bo- on. We'll bond it in. Yep. <laughs> okay. Yep. That's that was my that was my rumor <laughs> hot off the yeah. hot off the rumor press, um, because oh. they they are in not they are in a much more difficult situation if a band came in to turn around and and do that. Okay. Far out. Yeah, that'd be. <laughs> that's why I just go. I don't think it could happen. Oh, so I again, mean, he, here's the other. I was trying to think about this. What is there any other tech that was pushed on us by the industry or by a number of brands, and then they had to walk it back? I mean, there's nothing that's been a safety thing. I kind of think about the cycle of stuff. You know, you could argue things like bottom brackets have gone through this cycle of you went into press fits and now. We're all now heading back towards threaded bottom mm-hmm. brackets, yep. which maybe Cannondale had a, a a bit to say in why we first went down that press fit route. But, it, you know, you're not really talking about the same sort of stuff. People will say, oh, disc brakes. Remember when disc brakes came in? But no, that was industry-wide. I'm talking about a couple of brands pushing it. I, I can't think of anything. Yeah. I, I, do, I do feel like that this hookless thing happening to a pro rider on a pro team is kind of vindication for the, the gaslighting of, oh, no, why do we do hookless? Oh, it's more aero. It's lighter. It's better for you. You want hookless. Sponsored by hookless. And and now it's just every year that kind of goes on, more and more people keep just going, well, we don't really want hookless. And then you've got the leader of the riders' union saying, we don't want hookless. And, and it's sort of... Uh, that sort of gaslighting of, no, hookless is awesome. What do you mean? It's not dangerous. You just don't know what you're doing. Do you think it's cut through though? So the reason I ask you that is, so I 
I reached out to a couple of bike shops. Yes, Cache here, but another one in Sydney, uh, one in Victoria, uh, Grant, obviously I chatted to him and also the guys, uh, in Fresno that I went and saw, and I asked them just sort of straight up, does anyone come in talking about hookless in terms of when they're making wheel decisions? Oh, are they hookless? Aren't they hookless? I don't want that. I do want that. It pretty much across the board, no one comes in and says, oh, but they're hookless. I don't want those. It's, it, it hasn't cut through to that level. That's even worse. Yeah, well, I'm not saying that's a good thing. Oh, okay. I'm not saying that's a good okay. thing. You know, you the, be, the, the Nero yeah. show, if you know, you know, sad crowd that are all sitting around watching us at the moment, and you and I, one of them, we're, we're like months, a year into this controversy that just blows completely over the, the heads of 99% of, of most, uh, most consumers. Which is exactly the problem. You, if you're running hookless wheels, you should at least know you're on hookless because when you buy new tyres, they need to be compatible. But that message from Grant, did you read that? That was what he said. He said, put aside all the things about people not knowing or what they're doing. What he sees a lot of the time when a bike comes in for a service, they've just got any old tyre, any old, doesn't even necessarily have to be sometimes a tubeless tyre on a hookless rim. They just slap something on. It's mm-hmm. not information that gets handed over and having not gone into a bike shop and bought a bike for 20 years i don't know it probably doesn't come up in conversation i don't think someone at the giant store saying hey by the way just keep in mind these are hookless rims so you're going to be limited they're not going to say that uh yeah all the more reason why but there's no benefit so anyway, I'm not. <laughs> That's the thing. If it was actually better, then there'd be more of a discussion. But just keep, just put the hooks back on, bond the hooks back on, and just can we just move on? Oh, like hashtag how we, we, bond the bond the bond the hooks. Bond, bond, the, hook, bond the hooks. Bond the hooks back yeah. on. Just like you put your threaded bottom brackets back in because you couldn't make a, a round bottom bracket. We end. We'll just go back to square one, and that's <laughs> there. We good as far as I'm concerned. The only other long play maybe with this that I could think about was Zip. Let's say they work with the UCI and they they double down on hookless. They're not hashtag bonding the hooks. And they they do like a minimum, a minimum internal tire, internal width of 28 mil or something ridiculous, ridiculously wide that forces you to put on a low, a, a wide tire. I don't know. Well, so yeah, it'd be, it would, that would have to make you run an even wider. So it'd be the opposite. It'd be like, so they've said here in this article, so Hunt have purposefully stuck with a 23 mil internal so that a 28 mil is, 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 is within, I'm not going to say safe. I'll say within standards. Cause then you've still got the problem of well, what pressure you're putting that at. You mm. have to really make sure that's accurate. So I don't know saying just cause the tire fits the ETRTO compliance is safe. Mm, arguable, but at least it's compliant. So maybe, but a zip going to go back to narrow rims? Like people want wider rims so you can have a nice wide tire that has low rolling resistance and is still aero. So they'd be sh- hookless doesn't work. It doesn't mm. even in that scenario. It's mm. it, 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 back at square one. I, I don't get it. But the, as you say, if you if your factory and all your molds are all it's all done, well, you you you've you're done. I don't know. It's a tough one. I just, I mean, it's just not a good ad, is it? You just, I'm just looking at that photo of that Orbea again, and there's just this, 
It's rim with sealant all over it, this green piece of foam, and you're just going, what What are we doing? The sport's dangerous enough. Can we just keep the tyres on the rims, please? I was just going to say something about I hate leaning into the conspiracy. I, I hate when the conspiracy theory stuff is, is right. It's true. <laughs> it's like, you know, I, I yeah, I, it's kind of frustrates me because, I, I, you know, I, I, YouTube is the home of it and I feel like, you know, we do spend a lot of time getting stuck in those weeds, but there's just no avoiding it here. It's there, right there. It's right there. Yeah. Yep. Before we move on, a quick word from today's show partner, sports micronutrition company, Pillar Performance. Traditional nutrition products like hydration and carbohydrates will take you through to the finish line, whereas Pillar's mission is to get you to the start line in the best condition over and over. In this episode, Pillar wants to bring awareness to the benefits that magnesium supplementation can have for you as a cyclist, particularly as it relates to sleep and recovery. So do you have trouble getting to sleep each night? Do you suffer from reduced sleep quality, particularly after your biggest training days? If so, magnesium supplementation can help improve all areas of your sleep by regulating melatonin production and reducing cramps that interrupt your sleep quality. Pillar's Triple Magnesium is a 300 milligram blend of absorbable forms of magnesium that tastes great and is informed sport batch tested to be free from banned ingredients. If you would like to try Pillar today, get 15% off by using the code Nero at pillarperformance.shop. Or for our audience in North America, head to thefeed.com slash pillar and enter the code Nero for 15% off. General race chat then, Jesse. We've had a bit of bit of action. Yeah, so I watched I watched highlights of the UAE too. You you're plugged into all of the races, it looks like. Are we gonna can we do like a scatter gun? Mm-hmm. Just quick thing. I don't want to spend 45 minutes on it. What's what's chat? What have you seen? What's chat? What's chat? Well, I, I do want to talk about decathlon a little bit later on, but in terms of just, I don't know whether decathlon are the fake news story of 2024 or they really are legit because this is a team that was oh so forgettable for so long in AG2R and now it's boys, we're, we're lining it up. Boys, we're, we're launching team attack. Team tug, to use a bloody Lantern Rouge phrase, team attack, like tug buddy attacks on the last sort of four Ks of climbs. Like, who are you? What have you yeah. done? Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, but it's the bike. It's the Rizzle. It's the Rizzle. <laughs> yeah. They've lent into it. They've, yep. they, I reckon, you know what I reckon's going on? For years, there was the specialized package. You know, everyone. We, who was it? Was it um, Dan was talking about when one of his one of the riders from Luxembourg was going back to one of the specialized teams. His name was uh, Bob Youngles. Okay, yeah, Bobby Youngles yeah. was going back to a specialized team, and what what he was so looking forward to was just getting back on the package. I reckon Decathlon have the package because they've got the Swiss side wheels that have been designed with the bike, and now you've seen the Decathlon helmets. Have you? I've. Every man and his dog has sent me the decathlon shoes that have just been launched. Beautiful, beautiful white road shoes package. It's all just fitting in nicely. I'm I'm on board with it. Yeah, it's pretty cool, isn't it? That's a, I mean, what a start for the for the for uh, for, for Rizzle too to come out, sponsor a team, decathlon, bang on the jersey, and you're going, oh, oh, we're just going to be having a meeting in six months, going, boys, can you just get a result? And they come out, bang, Ben O'Connor cleaned up. On that uh, that hilltop finish, that was yeah, that was good. That was really good, really cool. There was a bit of chat going around about UAE tour though, 
I saw this on Twitter and lots of Facebook comments on any of the videos or photos that popped up, essentially making fun of the race because there was no spectators. Oh, oh, there's no, oh, look at the crowd. <laughs> and it would be always the, the most liked comment on, on whatever I was watching. Do you have a thought on this? Do we care that there's a race that there's 10 people watching in person? I am so out of touch with pro cycling Twitter army. I don't care at all, at all. Makes no impact in my life in any way, shape or form. It, there's just it's watching sport from that part of the world, that's what it looks like. I also, I mean, I don't quite understand. Firstly, it's a really rich race where the stakes really matter and everyone wants to win. So it's good racing. I actually think the landscape looks really cool. How, how often do you see people riding on a road in the middle of the desert? I, I think it looks cool. Did you see the camera on one of the sprint stages? They had like the uh, Champs-Élysées sprint tracking camera on one of the sprint yep. stages. That was sick. Okay, there's no one watching. Fuck, get over it. Don't, isn't it just kind of – it's the crowd that want to kind of um, poke fun at the race for sports washing or – some kind of something like that. There's some agenda underneath. And then the easiest thing to say is not actually just say what you mean, but just go, oh, look, here there's no crowds. <laughs> it's like it's bike racing. It's good bike racing. It funds the riders. They're getting good prize money. They all want to win. The camera's good. The streams are good. Live stream on YouTube. I'm watching for free. Can we just get over the no crowds thing? It's so I just think it's cheap. Speaking of best camera shots, Tour of Oman uh, tracking shot when they crested that climb and you've got Yates and a couple of others. It's just a helicopter tracking shot running along the – they're running along the ridge of that run-in is going to be very hard to beat as the best camera shot of 2024. I'll see if I can dig it out and put it in the B-roll. Yeah, okay. Interesting. Um, okay, a couple of little random other ones that I've got for you. So obviously we had Omloop as well uh, over the weekend. Just – um. No real race chat here from me, just far more important things. I don't like the Euro Champs jersey. It really annoys me. It's very confusing. Uh, I, I don't – obviously not European. No? But oh. the, are you like it? I don't no, know. You're not European. It just looks like a – it just looks like a – oh, like a, a Brussels – yeah, I don't know, just an EU – Executive. Oh, you're just looking for things to to, to shit on Visma for because they won every race yeah, in the last true. month. <laughs> no, I did like his bike, so I, I okay. have to sort of flip on that. Like the blue, that blue Eurobike's very nice. Mm -hmm. Tom Scoines has a big butt. Don't, what? So he's What's changed completely here? physically. <laughs> okay, he physically looks totally different to what was a bit of a stage. What I kind of remembered as a bit of a stage hunting sort of puncher type guy. He's he looks like a classics powerhouse now. Whether he just had absolute diamonds in his legs on that day, I don't know. But, no, he, he just – when he came up on screen and there was a Trek rider in the break, I just assumed it was Mads Pedersen. Yeah. Didn't know Mads wasn't riding at the time. But, it, like, just build-wise, I just assumed, oh, that's him. Nope. It's, it's Squeens. Interesting. Okay. Good on him. Transform himself around. Going okay. Want to target the early season classics before things get really hot for the big ones. So put on a couple kilos, get stronger. Well, I like that. Rate that. You've seen that. Seen that some somewhat often. Riders 
bulk up a little yep. bit. And... Two other quick kit ones for you. Is Jan Tratnik the first pro cyclist to win a classic wearing a neck buff? I saw that. He's on a train. He's yeah. on a training ride. Beautiful. That's very uncomfortable. It's, it just didn't. It felt very. It felt like I was watching him win a training ride. That's that's what it did look like. Yeah, and it, it was still on during his uh, during his post race interview. It's great. It's very coil esque, actually, that move. And the only other kit one was so. So I noticed a few of the Visma guys have been doing this. It's not that they're running three quarter length, so they're not running the classic knee over the knee Valverde style three quarter length Nick. It's like a just at the knee. Yes. Nick, yeah, 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 it, yeah. It's like, have you pulled the knee warmers up far enough? I'm not quite sure what's going it's, on there. It's, yeah, so it's a it's a cut off leg warmer. It's ah. gen, it's a it's it's more of a fashion thing. It's not actually covering. It's covering maybe a third of the knee cap, so it's not really keeping your knees warm. But it it is a fashion thing. Guys do it domestically too in some of the colder NRS races. You cut your leg warmers off and the you know, it looks I think it looks yeah, I think it looks cool personally. But I don't the function is questionable. I guess because people don't like the feeling of the leg warmer over the knee. It interacts mm. with how your knee cracks and it feels a bit awkward, especially because it creases on the under the back of the knee. So you you put, kind of cut it as low as you can before it starts getting annoying, and that's probably the reason for it. I do love some of these early season races where you just get the full mix match of kits, like guys running full legs, yeah. full just full winter gear, everything, and then potentially regretting it in the last thirty minutes, and then the the other sort of flip of it of of guys running too too little with and but then trying little tricks like you know a buff or a knee warmer to try and cover the bases. My my last little bit about this like this first little batch of racing. How patriotic do you get with this stuff? Because this was my I only I dipped into a little bit of the Twitter stuff uh, when Ben O'Connor and so Jay was leading. Uh, that UAE UAE tour and Ben O'Connor had won that stage, and I saw all these guys like, "Oh, Aussies are up there! Hey, Aussies, rah, Aussie, Australia!" I can't. It doesn't do anything. Like I, I will cheer for, you know, Australian teams, and I, I just I can't get to that place. I don't know what it is about cycling, but when the riders are in their trade teams. I'm I am more likely to support style of a rider. I don't know. The the way a race has even been ridden, how that might play out than I'm, just I'm very much on that. Yeah. Like I'll flip flop throughout the stage. So I want the racing to be as exciting as possible. So if someone breaks away, I go, Oh, I hope the bunch catches them. And then if the bunch is riding along and someone attacks, I'm going, Oh yeah, let's go like want them to win. Same on a climb. I'm always just cheering for whatever's going to bring the race back together. Um, yeah. So, I, I, when's yeah. the last time you cheered for an Aussie? Like full Aussie? Well, the Jay Vine one's not that really fair because it's just him personally. Uh, I wanted Jai Hindley to win the Juro. Because he's an Aussie. Yes, because okay. he's an, uh, an Aussie winning the Juro. Yeah. Yeah, that's, 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 that's good. 
I'll give you that. I was definitely in that camp, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because that's a big deal. Yep. That I was getting patriotic then. Yeah. Okay. It is. It's it's I do feel like I'm that kind of I'm almost like too cool. It's like that, you know, that sort of pathetic, like, oh yeah, I'm so into the sport. Yeah. Uh, the nations don't matter to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So anyway, hopefully I'll I'll try. I'll try cheering. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. So this was a funny uh, sanction came up from the UCI. So they've the UCI Disciplinary Commission, the UDC, have sprung a team for dressing up their mechanic as a rider and trying to do a dodgy at the sign-on, would you believe? An incognito. So what's happened here? They did a whole press release on it. So UCI women's continental team, Siniska Cycling, at a one-day UCI race in Belgium. They only had four riders that can start. So at a UCI race with a UCI team, you need to have five riders minimum or they won't let you start. So for whatever reason, they only had four riders available. So the, the team sports director has gone to the mechanic and said, hey, just put a face mask on take the rider's ID and just go try your luck at sign-on and sign-on as the fifth rider. So they've done that. And then obviously the, the, the UCI commissaire at the sign-on has gone, oh, could you take your mask off so I can see who you are? And Bob's your uncle. It's the bloody mechanic, not the rider. And, and that's day done for this team trying to sign on for this race. And there are some very heavy sanctions that came from this. I mean, to me, it sounds innocent enough, but the, the team sports director's He's banned from any activity in cycling until the end of December 2025. <laughs> Two years. Can't work with the team. The the incognito mechanic dress-up, has uh, she's uh, been banned until the September 2024. And then the, four, the poor four riders that have just kind of gone along with it, except they've been reprimanded and sanctioned, which doesn't really say much. And then the team's basically banned until the next race they were confirmed for which could have been later in the year. So very, I would say very heavy sanctions for that. Um, but I just thought it was funny because you would be surprised how often something like this would happen. Like, can we, can I break it down? There's a lot of, there's a lot of things at play here that people probably don't realize that the sign on process for a race, I think they are actually quite unlucky. So a couple of things. They are definitely very unlucky. Yes. Go on. Okay. Firstly, usually for a race, you don't actually need a show ID. Usually the team manager goes up 
usually the day before the race or the morning of the race, it's a one-day race, hands over all the rider IDs, the commissaire hands them the race pack with all the numbers and off they go, right? So there's an obvious potential issue there. Well, who are you actually signing on? Secondly, no one's checking who's pinning the number on. You know, Chris Miller could be pinning a number on and it's my race number. You could be on the start line. You could do the entire race. No one would be any the wiser because there's no one's actually standing there from the UCR going, rider ID number 31 is Jesse Coyle. Hold on. Who the hell are you? They don't actually check that. So um, that's the first thing. They're just quite unlucky that this was a race. There are some races when I was over in Europe where every rider individually needs to go up with ID and sign on individually. So that looks like it's the case here. That's not the case at, at every race. Um, so yeah, the, 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 I think they are quite unlucky, but you could imagine what's the situation here. You had six riders, right? Two get sick, one's crashed. So maybe you've got three or four riders at the start line. Do you try and do a sneaky at the sign on and then maybe only three end up making it to the start line? Or do you just leave the race? Hypothetically, Jesse, <laughs> purely <What>? hypothetically, <laughs> if you were in a team and you were doing a stage race and the first stage was a prologue, but it was, it was the, obviously the day before stage one and one or two of the hypothetical team, hypothetical riders couldn't get to the start of that race. They had full intentions of making it and doing the whole, whole thing, but Sometimes, like, at this level of racing, most people are either doing jobs, studying, all kinds of different bits and pieces. So it's not that easy to get to these sort of things. Sorry, it wasn't a prologue. It was a crit. I got that wrong. It's a crit. Prologue would have been far more difficult. A crit situation. <laughs> Especially if the person at the start knows who yeah, the riders exactly. are. Exactly. Full, full visor helmet on. But a crit was a much easier situation. Yeah. And really all you had to do is start the crit. Yeah. So luckily for the hypothetical team, there was a mechanic who was able to get the bike and, you know, you'd go and sign up. So you, you got the actual transponder and all that kind of stuff. And that bike, therefore, just had to cross the start line yep. of the crit. Yep. Cross the start line of the crit, pull out at the end of the next corner. You got pulled. Got, pull, got, pulled got off. dropped. Sorry. Yep. That particular rider has thus started the race had no obviously intention of doing anything in the GC sort of thing, so that's that's all fine. Arrives next day and away we go, transponder and all that kind of thing, continue on. I honestly reckon this sort of stuff happens all the time. I, I, just, I just assumed that if this happened, the commissaire would just go, oh, fuck, come on, move along. But they've obviously been reported... And then the wording is it played an active role in fraud. And you're like, whoa, whoa. Like this is like fairly common because you're in a bike race. You're flying in and out. Flights get delayed. People miss, blah, blah, blah. The only thing I would say is this actually, we were in this situation when I was in Europe in 2022 with the team. The Two of the riders got COVID, one crashed. We literally had three. You need five minimum. You just go speak to the race organizers and explain the situation. They'll let you start. So committing fraud when you don't have to is just a dumb decision by that DS. They should have just spoken to the race. They'll let you start with three riders unless they're real prick. The COVID thing definitely allowed for more leniency, though. I, I, 
I don't know if you could still do that now. Possibly not. There's, yeah, that's, there's there's a bit more of a clampdown. Yeah, but you would. I don't know if that DS tried, but that's the, the logical thing is just ask if you can start with three. Most of the time they'll go, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, if there's a good reason for it. We never did exactly this, but I, I wouldn't hesitate hesitated to have a crack at doing it. Just in terms of like between every, that and not starting. Well, that's it. Everything you do to try and get to the start line and do all that sort of stuff. Okay, then you have your rider pull out the day before, whatever. You've just you just got to get it done somehow. I think one of the reasons why they have the five rider minimum rule, which is fine. I don't yeah, have yeah. Issue with I, that. I, I think the rule makes people kind of go, well, why do you have to have five? Why can't you just have one? Well, you've got a limited number of teams that can enter a race. And if all these teams just start rocking up with, oh, we just sent one rider, we entered it six months ago and guys couldn't be bothered, or two riders, it's just crap. You end up with 80 people in the race. So it's nice to have a five minimum so you've actually got a proper race and I have people just taking the piss if it's a lower level race. So I, I, get, I understand the rule from that point of view too. But definitely this is the first time I've seen someone disciplined for what I will say happens fairly regularly in some way or another. It's not the same in a stage race though because I remember in the Philippines when he when he finished with two. So you can obviously start once you get deeper into the tour they give more leniency obviously. Oh, it's not even leniency. You just have to start with five. Yeah, and okay. Then if then you, you can you know, finish you with. You get kicked out, you get kicked out. Yeah. You don't make time cuts. Yeah. Yeah. So that's But that doesn't affect the team as such because that's what happened to us. Because we had we started with five, and we had one pull out in the day one, another pull out in day three, two pulled out in day three. And I think it was just you and I that finished. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, 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 yeah that's yeah. no problem. So a week after we s- talked about not wanting to talk about bike launches, and specifically not wanting to talk about the giant TCR launch, we're going to talk about the giant giant TCR launch. But I'm going to come at this from a different angle. All right. Okay. Yep. So giant TCR is going to be launched. Very soon. I would even hazard a guess the beginning of March. Okay. I am fully certain that as we speak right now. This very second. This very, very second. Bike reviewers, be they magazine-based, be they YouTube-based, have the giant TCR (laughs) under their chamois. In the Cotswolds. In the Cotswolds, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Currently doing the laps of the Cotswolds. <laughs> so it kind of got me thinking, when this embargo lifts, some point in March, yep, we're going to get flooded, Jesse. The, the feeds are going to be smashed oh. with TCR spec videos. Yep. And I was thinking, I wonder what they're going to look like. Mm. I wonder what the thumbnail's going to be. Yep. And I wonder what the title's going to be. Yep. What's the angle? What's the angle? So can we start with can we start well, with GCN? Well, we start yeah. with GCN. That's the obvious place That's, to start. Yeah. We know well, they're going to do one. They are. Well, okay. Well, you got to you got to kind of go start with well, what a what a giant gonna what's the spec sheet from giant the sort of one page overview that the that the reviewers are then going to be looking at everything through the lens that giant give them so yeah what's that going to be um i don't know what you think okay so what would they say that doesn't 
that, that doesn't compete with the propel and make the propel potentially redundant. I think it's heritage. So I think you'll see it'll uh, it'll be the TCR. So this is the thumbnail? I, okay, yeah, this is the thumbnail. Okay. It'll okay, I think the TCR is gonna look different is gonna look quite different than it has for the last decade. So I think people will look at the bike and go, ooh, that's in that's that looks different. But then they're gonna plan the hedge to go, Return of the King or 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 A Legend Reborn. Ooh. 2024. Is it 2024? 2025. 2024 giant TCR. Modern take on an old classic. That's, I think that's it. Because, I mean, what does it mean? It, look, it's just, it doesn't matter. It's the TCR in 2024. Beautiful. I mean, who cares Beautiful. what the specs are? That's perfect just, just angle for one. GCN. Mm-hmm. Perfect angle. Uh, the thumbnail will be I mean, one of their sort of highly produced, they're very good thumbnails, their ad thumbnails, I reckon. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll look, oh, you know, depth of field will be up there. Any thoughts on the so is the thumbnail going to have any text in it? Do you think, or is no, it just you know, no? No technical. I they agree. won't go. They won't go near the technical stuff. Mm. I think they'll just double down on this is the TCR yep, Return of the King. Yep, and that and and it'll be potentially as well not just the profile shot of the bike. I think they'll try and use someone riding the bike out of the saddle. Disagree. Probably up a climb. You reckon they're disagree? Gonna, okay. Disagree. I think it's going to be all about that frame. Okay. No, we'll see, see, I think that's Dave Arsis. He just goes. Well, hang on. So far in, it's just the frame, and then it'll no, have. No, thank you. Okay. Oh, Dave Arthur's my guy. Okay, sorry. I, you, right. you got to okay. do. You got to do, C, do GCN. All right. All right. So my my take with with Dave, is currently smashing it about these local hills as we speak. Yep. But he's okay. His thumbnail is going to be. It's classic. Well, can I just say that the thumbnails are probably already being created oh, as we speak. Made. There's probably some Filipino yep. making it up right now. It Yep. So it'll, it's happening. Yep. Arthur's thumbnail will be, it will be ideally a white TCR. I don't know what, he probably doesn't get to choose that, but I think hopefully it's a white, whiter TCR. There's going to be an arrow pointing to the frame. Mm. Okay. Because okay. I reckon he's going to hit a spec. Mm-hmm. His goes, yeah, but he's a, no, I'm going to stick with this. His goes a spec. It's going to be a, an arrow pointing to the frame with 591 grams or whatever the claimed frame weight is. Yep. That's Giant's top spec for this bike is going to be, we are so fucking light, the lightest TCR ever. How could it, okay. How could it possibly be the lightest TCR ever? I don't, they'll find a way. They'll find they'll, a way. They'll, don't worry. They'll There's, find a way. It will. Lightest TCR ever. <laughs> it, Look, yep. That's that's your the spec. The lightest seat tube of the TCR ever. Yep. Okay. Who else? Who else has got one? Do yeah. We think? Who's who's heading out? Well, I mean, you've got your your bike radars, your cycling weeklies. I I can't really get excited about what holding at speed and point it downhill are going to say or are going to do about it. But yeah, <laughs> I, there's going to have there's going to be someone. It's potentially, it's potentially cycling weekly that do. It's either going to be SL8 killer mm. or, or the new king, top of the pile, just the ducks nuts one. Someone's going to, there's going to be that too of 
of holy shit, this is literally the best bike that has ever existed. I'm pretty sure someone's going to have to go that route. And it, bike radar or cycling weekly, I'd say. Does anyone go the reverse? Does anyone go negative? Yeah. Not, yeah. <laughs> Missed the mark this year. Does, <laughs> I mean, you know, does anyone, does anyone hmm. mention the war? Does anyone say, you know what? The Propel kind of is the bike you need. I don't know why Giant are doing this. Hmm. I, I don't think we're probably there yet. I think maybe Dave references it. Stays clear. Go on, Dave. Put a put, <laughs> put an arrow on the frame. Go on. Just do it. Do it for me. Please. Maybe someone brings the price into it. I don't know what Giant are going to do with the pricing strategy, but there's the potential avenue for the price in the thumbnail or the title if Giant managed to do some uh, what would it be? Uh top spec for for 14k. Mm. Something like that is probably the other one. Let, not as common. It would have to be pretty extreme pricing. I reckon that's a that's but, a potential bike radar. Yeah. Okay, that's because that's very much their their audience. I reckon. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, that that could be that route. Yep. You're right though. They'd have to do something pretty special price wise to do it. Yeah, I do think we're we are complete. We're not we're, we're not out of touch, but I do think I stand by my comments about this bike that it's. I think it's the biggest bike launch of 2024. Mm-hmm. Just purely on the heritage. Mm-hmm. There's just so many, like, I was, even the, the riding that I've done the last couple of weekends, there's just so many people out there riding who that's the bike they're, they're going to ride because it's, it, they've known it, they've known it for 20 years. And even if it's changed a little bit, it's still the same TCR to them and it does exactly what they want a bike to do because they're going to do one or two hilly fondos every year and now their bike's going to weigh less than seven kilos to do it. And does it matter when they probably maybe do a C-grade crit? Probably not. You know, it's it's the bike for the – no, I'm not going to say it's the bike for the masses, but it's – I, I the, that TCR – maybe it's an Australian thing. No, no, yeah. But that – that cult, oh, they're they're cultish about I mean, their TCRs. The T- TCR Tuesdays, TCR TCR. It's a big. It's name the top five bike models over the last twenty years. TCR is mm-hmm. definitely up there. I mean, yeah. it's out. No, no, no two ways about it. Definitely, it's got the heritage. What would your thumbnail be, Jesse? What are we? Okay, so what's, that's the next question. So, what is the Nero? What's show's? the Nero show thumbnail? Punk a poo on it and <laughs> dog of a bike. No. I I really like to think mm-hmm. that we will either the thumbnail could be from us. I I I genuinely would like to think this. That we go the thumbnail is game changer, legitimate, best value performance bike. And we, we fully Nero sticker it. Ooh. Or mm-hmm. we fully shitbag it. And just go, nah, you guys have totally missed it. Poo emoji. I, I would like to think right. that it could go either way. Okay. I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. If we could, if, you know, maybe people are like, no, nah, you guys just shitbag everything. <laughs> like maybe. Which I do keep getting told. 
Uh, which surprises me. I, I okay. don't think we're that negative. <laughs> I really don't. Okay. I know you don't want me to say this, but I'm going to say it. It still blows my mind, Neuro Show community, I'm sure you'll probably agree with me, that some someone at Giant hasn't reached out to Jesse and gone, you know what? You're on an old rim brake TCR. You like TCRs. What's a really good story? Put you on a new one, let you ride it, share it with the Nero Show people. It blows my mind. No one at Giant, no one has Giant has offered to do that. Anyway, I just wanted to say that. Would, okay, but the, well, here's a problem. What, what if it's, what if it's a flop? Well, oh, but I guess the you point is they, they should back the product. You, you can't you say to me, if you work at Giant, you cannot say to me that someone riding a bike that is 10 years old is not as good as your well, absolute – if you can't stand behind that, okay. then well, that's a what good are point. you even doing? Well, that's a good point. Okay. Like, and you're not a – okay. Unless they think that I'm going to be vindictive about it for some reason and think I would just trash it. Just, I wouldn't do that, but maybe that's the. Th- but you're right. I know like, that's I'm on a the 2017 bike. You'd think the 2024 would be <laughs> I know, noticeably better. I, I, I know that's the answer, that they're terrified. But I mean, the flip side is it's such an. I mean, you're not a dickhead. You're just a, you're just a bike rider. Like you really are. And you know what is a good bike and what is a bad bike. You've ridden some dogs back in the day, but. You know, you can't tell me a top-of-the-line TCR is, is going to have Jesse Coyle sitting in front of me saying, you know what, get rid of it. It's just not. Of all these bikes that are getting released and have gotten released, the, the TCR is probably the one that I'd be curious to ride the most because I've got the top-spec 2017 one, which is now seven years old. So I'd be, it would be quite an interesting comparison to ride that and ride the new one and then really clearly be able to say within the exact same model of bike, if Giant is saying it's still doing the same purpose, how much has it improved in seven years? Because you'd think it should be black and white, cut and dry. Oh, this thing absolutely dusts off the 2017 frame set and spec. So I, I'd be, yeah, I, I, uh, spoiler, Giant didn't send me one to test, right? So I'm not riding one, but it would be an interesting comparison to, to, to compare it in the TCR family. Yeah. So that time of the episode, Chris, subscriber question. Let's play it. G'day, boys. My question for you is I was listening to the TPR podcast with Matteo Mohoric about descending, like in the first bits he spoke a lot about descending and how to descend properly, um, which is really fascinating, but it got me thinking... Why is performance training so popular and everyone talks about it, but no one talks about technical coaching? That is a bloody good question. <laughs> and I don't, I, don't, uh, I don't disagree. I mean, we've talked about it on the show before. You go out on a Saturday, you ride up north to Bobbin Head, eight-minute climb, you ride back up. Half the people coming down the other side are not technically descending in even just a correct position, let alone the lines they're taking it and that sort of thing. You can see they're actively nervous descending. 
Like it is a it, it is a problem. It's it's a it is a problem. I don't know the answer, but I can give some experience on some of this stuff. And I, mean, I know you guys used to do some yeah. uh, technical experience based training. It's very time inefficient, uh, and unfortunately, just with the nature of the way coaching has gone now, by the looks of it, it's not geographically centrally located so you know you yeah. might have how many how many athletes in sydney five and you can watch as many youtube videos or listen to two idiots talk about descending as much as you want but there is nothing like descending behind someone who knows what they're doing and trying to mimic them and just to double down on that point you made about um the group rides i felt like such a dickhead on the weekend so i'm coming back um, from my ride and I'm about to descend down Bobbin Head and there's a um, <laughs> there's a charity ride group out and they've all got their headsets on and their race radios and they start descending and they're all in the tops. You know, there's right. – I'm not going to give out about them, but there's ride leaders there. They're not paying attention to that. They're traffic management people basically. Yeah. yeah. And – I go past them and I I said stuff like, guys, get in the drops, get in the drops, get in the drops. It's much easier down here. And I'm going past them going, down in the drops, guys, down in the drops. And, of course, I'm going fast. They're going fast. I'm having a shout. Yeah. And so I come across as this like I got on the road. dickhead just shouting abuse at them. But, like, I'm yeah. trying to well. offer them like – it's very simple. Just get down here, guys. That's that's literally mm. all. And so, you you know, even offering people advice or hand, it's it's difficult. Well, it's it comes with sort of a loaded, mm. like, attitude, I suppose. Well, especially if, when, if you're a random blowing past them on a descent. That I mean, that's where clubs come in because generally with a club – you're on a club ride, you have a bit more time, and hopefully someone higher up at the club, more experienced, can, can, can guide you. But if you're not riding with a club, I mean, where do you learn how to descend? What, watch a YouTube video. Um, I, it is a, it's a problem. I've gone through that problem too because I used to be the guy as well on any ride where you would sort of dread the crest of the hill, which is going into the descent. You'd be thinking about it all that time. Oh, shit, we got go, we got to descend down waterfall. And you get, you know, the whole 10 kilometers before they're going, oh, that descent's coming up. Oh, and then you get there and you're super nervous because your descending skill's not great and everyone else is going faster. And it, it's a really anxiety-ridden part of the ride is the running and then the descent. Not to mention, if you're also not technically proficient descending, it's more dangerous because you're not in control. I, um, the only thing I can say is if there is someone in your local area or even within driving distance that does descending coaching or clinics and that is good, it's worth every penny. I would, anyone, personally, anyone I coach, I would say try and find someone that can pay for it if, if it's a service available. If not, ask a friend uh, to, to, that's more experienced to at least get your, guide you in the right direction and you can follow them down. A couple of other things as well. When I was, most people don't train their descending or cornering for that matter. Like when I was starting out a little bit, I would go and just ride the descents up and down. Uh, and I, I mean, I'd naturally get it from some of the rides we did because you were more experienced than I was. But like, 
Most people never practice their descents. The only time they've descended is just, oh, I happen to be riding down this hill on this loop I wanted to do. Not actually repeat it and take what you've probably seen on YouTube. A lot of the advice in some of the descending videos on YouTube is quite good. It's just that you've never actually gone and tried to apply it multiple times in a single session. So you just go and ride the descent up and down multiple times, practice the lines, the position, the outside foot, all that stuff that they where you're looking, exiting the corner, all that stuff that they will say on a YouTube video that you forget the next time you ride. Go and practice it. Same with crits. Go and just on your own. Practice your crit cornering. Bring up the speed. Like that most people haven't had someone tell them that, hey, you're not that good at descending. Go and <laughs> actually practice it thoughtfully. Otherwise, how are you expecting to get better at it? Yeah. I mean, my only two things about it was if you are doing a training session and it it's a hill rep, use the descents of the hill rep as training as well. Like I def I find massive value in that because once you actually get really familiar with a corner or a sequence of corners, you start to become more confident and that's important. And you push yourself more and more into those corners because you know the, in the ins and outs, the, the apexes of them and you learn just for your repetition of that. And you can take that beyond just that local hill rep. So use that particular rep. The only, and I, this is one of my regrets, my, my um, kryptonite when it comes to descending, as you know, well, it's not descending, bike handling, is hot dog 180 slow oh, speed yeah. turns. Yep. Absolute kryptonite to me. <laughs> and, I and you can descend well. You'll drop me on a descent. I back myself yep. with most descenders, normal humans, not Michael Freeberg. But put me going around a cone at a hot dog course, I cannot do it. And I really regret not doing any kind of like cycle cross type stuff where that's the whole event or even just taking a cross bike or a mountain down to your local oval and doing really simple stuff because I was always so frightened on tarmac that I was just going to always slip out doing that stuff. Mm. So that would be my only other thing. Pick your your absolute weakness and just get over it because it's going to linger with you, trust me, for decades. Mm. And it's just going to get worse and worse. Uh, I noticed another question about the S5. Can we talk about that next week? Yes. Because yes. I want to do a full uh, Fondo spec, what I've done to the S5. Yes, I'm running the S5 at peaks. Made some changes to it. I want to talk about that uh, expectations for it, how I have my experience riding it so far as a one by all that kind of thing. It was a really good question about it, so I do want to. I do want to definitely get onto that. Have we got time for one more? Yeah, yeah let's go one, one more. more. One more subscriber question. Let's play it here. Hey guys, if you could have any pie in the sky bike tech, what would it be and why? Right. So my my pie in the sky tech is a bike computer that brings it all together. All right. So the I do want, it all bike the computer. The do it all bike computer. One bike computer to, 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 to rule to them all. all. All right. Now on my bike computer, I want <laughs> I want accurate readout of my tire pressure, front and rear, mm -hmm. displayed. Just by the four hundred dollar quark yeah, tire exactly. wheels. Which I want that on there. So it, obviously this is in addition to everything else. Mm -hmm. um, I want a I want a CDA um, number displayed mm -hmm. to me at all times. So there I am, I'm, you know, in the bunch, I attack, then I get down into my, uh, I'm 
that's all I'm looking at. Just looking at my CDA. And so that'd be built into the head unit. It's got the wind oh, yeah. sensors. It's all, it's, it's all. It's all there. Like, okay. Yep. It's all there. It's, it's measuring through through my helmet. All that kind of stuff. Perfect. Absolutely. And yep. the last little bit that I want in there. Well, maybe this can kind of feature in it. But I want I want like a InstaGo three sized compu- uh, camera. But I want it in the frame. I want it actually mounted in the frame. So there's no. It's it's part of the aero features of the bike so i'm not trying to find i'm not slapping this massive bloody plasma screen on the front of my beautifully aero bars i want that in the frame and i want it to be controlled by my bike computer so i've got start stop and i can see it it displays gives me a live preview of it beautiful that's my tech You've just come up. I didn't, couldn't even think of that. That is just the built-in CDA sensor into the head I unit. I think about this stuff all the time. <laughs> I honestly think it. Do you know how you don't listen to podcasts? This is, this, this is where my brain goes when I'm on a solo bike ride. Okay. I, that bike ride I did on the weekend, six hours, no podcast. Oh, my gosh. Nothing. You are Nothing. sick. Chris, You're a sick human. Chris and the birds. Just <laughs> listening to the birds and thinking, thinking about, about CDA. CDA. Yep. Right. I want some sort of... You know how the f- iPhone's got the LiDAR detector? I want to sit on the trainer, everything's set up. Someone walks around with a phone and properly 3D maps my entire bike fit and it tells me all the changes I need to make, but not from the camera from side on. I want it 3D mapped and so I can get a professional bike fit that's looking at everything in 3D space done, and, it, and it's done in five minutes. I find that interesting. That's your. That's your. Well, I'm still thinking. Oh, you're still thinking. I haven't really okay. done much. Uh, no. That was the first thing that came to mind. Okay. Considering you've had one bike fit in three decades, I find that interesting <laughs> as the one thing that you want. But yeah, uh, it's just been relevant. Just so I've been chatting to people that have been getting bike fits done. I'm just going, what are you? We're driving here. It's like a four hour thing. You just like all it is. Bike fits doing is looking at your body on the bike and suggesting changes. What? Why can't that be mapped? I mean, it'd have to be done accurately, but surely, come on. Bikes are pretty freaking good, hey? I, can't, yeah. I don't know. I'm thinking, geez, it goes yeah. pretty quick and, yeah. you know, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, oh, oh, this is so bo- – I'm really boring. You had really good, like, sci-fi ones. I'm like, oh, this is going to – this is so bad. I wish I had something better. This is so lame and, like, sounds like I'm pandering. It's like – a super fully 100% integrated, not a, not a thing in the air, but is still entirely 100% adjustable. So I 3D map my bike fit. So the problem is you're on that. You 3D map with, with Jesse Coyle's bike fit app. Well, who cares? You can barely adjust anything. I want to be on that, oh, more integrated, but every single touch point I could possibly imagine adjusting, oh, I want to be good. able to do it. I like that. So it's, it's a completely it. malleable, uh, like a, you're generating, a, yeah, the shapes. Yeah. I like that. That's yeah. nice. So basically every single touch point has adjustable things somehow. Mm. I don't know how you do it. And you can just change everything, every possible measurement. So it's, it's, it's almost like you're having a custom-built bike, but everything's still integrated. You build it into my bike computer and have – so I could be coming into the base of the back of falls and I'm like, geez, I'd really bring my bars up for this. Mm-hmm. Yep. Thumbs up, lovely. Yeah, yep. I like that. Yep. You know, you start of the crit, you know, you're nice and relaxed. You break away off the front, bank saddle just comes forward <laughs> and then you, you tilt over. CDA just Perfect. drops. Yeah. yeah, and then you're live. You see it yeah. in action. Yeah. Perfect. I like that. 
All right. Uh, I think that's probably us done this week, Jesse. I think so. Make sure to continue to send your questions in to the DMs on the Neurocycling Show Instagram page. But apart from that, guys, uh, we'll see you all next week. See you then.